This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio show on Community Radio 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, we're a program about bicycles, cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne, Australia. And we've just had our radiothon. And uh, if you still want to feed uh, Radical Radio, subscribe now and go to 3cr.org.au and uh, have a look at the options that you can subscribe or donate. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to be doing a catch-up with Brent Cotter. We spoke a few years ago, I think back in 2017, about the big bike film night. And he's coming out here in August it's uh, part of the Australian League, and this time coming in with a few more dates, not just the capital cities. Also, I'm going to be speaking to Gemma King, who's a researcher at uh, James Cook University, and about a recent uh, uh, research article called Exploring Australian Residents' Cycling Engagement, Differences in Self-Reported Cycling Behaviour Between Urban and Rural Dwelling Queenslanders. And uh, we had a little chat about infrastructure and attitudes. So listen in after the break, and I'll be talking to Brent Cotter from the Big Bike Film Night. Outer Urban Projects and Hume City Council present Hume Studios, a unique performance event taking place in Melbourne's Broadmeadows. Dancers, musicians and vocalists from Islander, hip-hop and classical genres alongside Middle Eastern drummers combine to give you the best of Hume's mighty arsenal of emerging talent. Featuring Milad Noruzi, Ruthie Kaisila, Natasha Hanna, Joseph Samarani, poetry by Didam Kaya, choreography by Dion Nuku and Nicola McCarthy, directed by Irini Vella. Hume Studios, three shows only, Saturday the 29th of June at 4pm and 6.30pm and Sunday the 30th of June at 3pm. Free entry, but bookings are essential. For more information and tickets, head to outerurbanprojects.org. Outer Urban Projects, a 3CR supporter. It's not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate to 3CR Radiothon 94198377 or check our website 3cr.org.au. 
Adoreyu. Hello, this is Brett Cotter from the Big Bike Film Night, and it's great to be on radio. Fantastic. Yeah, again. So we spoke back in 2017 when you were doing the Australian leg of the Big Bike Film Festival, and you had uh, a pretty good time when you came out here for... I, I sure did, and uh, if anything, it uh, compelled me to come back, and so, yeah, I came back uh, last year, and... Um, Sort of a, it was one of those things that I growth the event organically. So back in 2017, it was just uh, three locations, and then last year it was a few more, and this year it's a few more as well. So yeah, it's getting getting bigger and bigger. So it's not just Melbourne and Sydney. No, uh, we've got this year uh, starting up in Canberra, and we've been this is our third year in Canberra, Hobart, and Melbourne. Uh, and yeah, we had a great response there, so we're doing a couple of screenings there, and uh, then we're jumping over to Tasmania and uh, doing a screening in Launceston and uh, down in Hobart, then to Melbourne, Bendigo and Geelong and Victoria. Happy to say that uh, Adelaideans are going to get a chance to see the film festival, and uh, then we go out to Brisbane uh, at the end of August, and then I come back to Sydney in, in September. It's excellent because you're getting at some of the regional stuff in Vic. Yeah, instead of like, you know, you just come to like one, you know, capital city. I mean, Australia's a huge place, as you would know from watching some of the submissions you'd, you'd get for, for the big uh, film night. Well, well, that's it. And sort of, um, uh, to me, sort of, it's important to go to some of these places like the Launcetons, the Bendigos, and, um, and because they're great communities, frankly. And, uh, yeah, sort of, they, they've embraced the, me coming there, so I'm... I'm to be getting heading back to those sort of places. And can you tell us something about uh, some of the program this year? Yeah, the 219 program. Uh, it's the fifth collection that I've put together. I, I used to work in the wine industry, so I'd call it my, my fifth vintage. And it's got the classic hallmarks of a big bike film night. So we've got weird, wacky and wonderful all rolled in together. There's uh, 11 films um, and... They cover the whole genre of cycling, so we've got uh, a film in uh, Singapore on a fixie bike rider, and then we've got uh, films in uh, New Zealand uh, with commuters and e-bikes, and uh, also sort of uh, a cargo bike film over in uh, America. And um, alongside that, we've got this uh, bike odyssey down in Lesotho, and uh, one of the most compelling films, which is Australian. And I, I don't sound—I don't mean to sound surprised that it's Australian, but it's just so great to, that it is an Australian film, and uh, people can relate to this film. It's called Lowest to Highest, and it's about five friends that uh, go from the lowest point of Australia, uh, Lake Eyre, to uh, Mount Kosciuszko for a, a journey of over two and a half thousand kilometres, and it's got everything that I look for in a film. It's got challenge, adversity, mateship, and and just. Yeah, it's just out of the box. That'd be amazing going across on country to, you know, that those extremes in, a, in this country because it's such a huge place and a lot of us just go, you know, we're all clustered around the seaboard. We don't realise what a massive place it is. Yeah, and the thing that I haven't said about this film is all five of these gentlemen have some form of disability. Okay. It just puts, it just ups the game. 
I had some uh, really good support from the Australian High Commission uh, and the Embassy here in New Zealand that we were able to bring a couple of those cyclists over to one of our screenings in Christchurch and uh, they got a standing ovation uh, after the film and with a crowd of 450 people, it, it's just, yeah, it was just deafening and people were just so blown away with what those guys had done and just their sort of um, ability to relate what it, was, what it all stood for. So is there anything like special lined up for any of the showings? Like, you know, you, you have some um, key speakers or a little bit beforehand, anything like that for any of the Australian League? One of the, uh, the film nights, which is down in Hobart, uh, Paul Pritchard, which was one of the, uh, the cyclists in Lois to Highest, is actually uh, coming along and he's going to do a Q&A session there. So, that name rings a bell. <laughs> yeah, Paul's, um, he actually was the... Uh, Australian National Geographic uh, Explorer of the Year last year. Yep. He's um, uh, known in, the, in his heyday as one of the gurus of uh, rock climbing. But uh, that's he had an accident. yes, yeah, the accident. Yeah. What is it? What's that book he put out? Oh, the climb he did in Tassie down. Um, yeah, oh. the Pole. Yes, we got a re- we got a, um, a new edition of that book he put out and got it signed. Yeah, so. Yeah, so we've got yeah. to come along to this. <laughs> my, my, yeah. my partner's a, a huge, um, he's a big fan of Paul. So, oh, fantastic. So, yes. Sorry That's to chuck that in, but I didn't, I didn't realise he'd gotten right into um, kind of like endurance cycling as well. Well, I, I think sort of um, it's one of those things that uh, he saw someone do it in England and the, the whole concept was going from the lowest to the highest and he thought, well... Um, Disabled people are just like normal people. Let's, yep. let's, and we all like to have a challenge, and uh, let's let's do it. So, as uh, as Duncan Merding, who's was his uh, co-pilot in a tandem um, bicycle, uh, they they sort of said, "Well, I I just thought we were going down to the dairy. I didn't know we were going to ride two and a half thousand kilometres." Yeah, because after after that totem pole incident, you didn't think the man was going to come back from anything. Because I remember it like when it actually happened, and it was like, nah. And what an amazing story to hear, like, 17, 18 years later, he's doing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so grateful that I can have this film in our collection and sort of and show it around Australia because I think it really is going to resonate with the audiences. Um, a little bit about your rating system too because you have a very interesting rating system of, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten all about those. Oh, but, you don't uh, have to give too much away, but it is good. Yeah, and... Um, I think sort of um, with the, the whole big bite film like rating systems, like in a few New Zealand Australia, you've got these uh, audience ratings, and, and I sort of just take that to, to the Mickey or take uh, take the Mickey out of it. And so I've got things like uh, well, the classic one for lowest to highest is R for respect because yeah, it just commands respect. Whereas um, Fixie Bike movie, I've called it, uh, the curator's rating is C, and it's criminal that you have to actually um, watch the movie to actually understand why what the criminal reference actually means. We, uh, in Canberra, uh, we're doing two screenings in Canberra on uh, Tuesday the 6th and Wednesday the 7th of August. Then we go to Launceston on Thursday the 8th of August, Hobart the Friday the 9th, and that's where we'll have Paul Pritchard doing the Q&A session. Yep. Uh, Melbourne, we visit uh, there on Tuesday the 13th of August. Uh, then hop, skip and jump up to Bendigo on Wednesday the 14th. Back down to Geelong on Thursday the 15th. 
Overtad late on Tuesday the 20th and uh, Brisbane on Thursday the 29th of August and then there's a little break for Sydney Siders to where we had our screening uh, in the 25th and 26th of September at the Brits Cinema in Randwick. And all of those details you can find on our website, uh, www.bigbikefilmnight.nz. And also you're on uh, Facebook as well. Can you make bookings through either of those two links? Yes, uh, so we've, I've created a number of uh, events, uh, Facebook events, and uh, you can actually click through to our, uh, the ticketing portal, which is through trybooking.com. Uh, so yeah, if you have trouble getting the links uh, through our website, uh, then trybooking.com has uh, all those uh, links as well. This collection, to me, uh, really epitomises what cyclists are looking for. It's It's got everything. There's drama, there's action... But there's some really empowering films, and it's a cycling collection that actually celebrates diversity, whether you're five years old or 85 years old, whether you're male or female or, or any gender type sort of can come and watch these uh, collections, and, and it's just a great celebration. celebrate the end of Radiothon with the friendliest punks around. Greek Resistance Bulletin is throwing a party featuring Pest, Somatized, Parlour, Punter and Gun Laws on Saturday the 6th of July at Bar 303. That's 303 High Street in Northcote. Listen on Tuesdays at 10pm for news from the social movements of Greece in English and Greek and join us to celebrate the diversity of punk and support Community Radio 3CR. Check out Greek Resistance Bulletin on Facebook for more details. Hey you, you who are listening. We haven't reached our target yet, but you can help us out. Log into our website 3cr.org.au or call us on 94198377 and give us some support. Help us keep running this radio for another year. We need you. Hi, my name is Gemma King. I'm a research officer at James Cook University based here in Townsville. I'm working in the discipline of public health and tropical medicine. Just uh, recently done a discussion paper. The title is Exploring Australian Resident Cycling Engagement, uh, Differences in Self-Reported Cycling Behaviour Between Urban and Rural Dwelling Queenslanders. And this was a joint paper with a couple other researchers involved? That's correct. Some other professors and associate professors here at James Cook University. Um, so they're all engaged in public health uh, with different specialisations in injury prevention and safety promotion and health promotion uh, being the core. And basically your abstract was uh, looking at cycle, cycling participation rates in Australia and Queensland remained low. And, That's correct. Yeah, and rural residents typically do not have distinct cycling infrastructure available for use. And investigating uh, current cycling participation and barriers to cycling engagement will inform future work to promote cycling engagement. Now, this is a common tale right across Australia, is that we build or don't build infrastructure because we think that, um, well, you know, the, not we think, but our decision makers think that um, cycling is for the young and feckless. But what's your kind of research borne out? What do people, what have people come up with? So I think 
the most interesting thing about our research is that we were looking not only at cyclists, because most of the research out there either focuses on cyclists or non-cyclists. It doesn't talk to both collectively and ask sort of similar questions. Mm. So the things that I was interested in in terms of this research was the reasons people aren't cycling. Because the people who are cycling, that's great. They can continue and that's wonderful. But I'd like to encourage more people to get on their bikes. So as part of that, we asked, you know, why do you not... Why have you not cycled recently? Perhaps not surprisingly, one of the key reasons they identified is due to lack of uh, health, um, a lack of interest in participating, um, and then safety concerns. And are these across the board for people who don't live in the capital cities? Because this is where the main focus for cycle infrastructure is. What Mm. do rural residents say about infrastructure? So they indicated that there's a lack of bicycle-friendly infrastructure, and so that was for both urban and rural, they said that. Um, However, when we drilled down a little bit more, some of the people who had indicated an other response, so just putting on my research hat here, we were were able to explore the people who provided a little bit more detail about that. So they were saying things like, oh, it's a dirt road, it's 50 kilometres to get to, you know, where I want to go to, there's no um, spaces for me to essentially ride. So there's some challenges that our survey respondents indicated in rural Queensland. And I'm sure that's not specific to Queensland. I'm sure it's the same in other states and territories in Australia. So we're looking at, like, cycling for transport or cycling for recreation. Is there any any of those points that came into the research? People did indicate that majority said that they were cycling for leisure. Okay. Um, so they're not cycling to get to a destination or for transport purposes, but mainly for leisure. Uh, there were people that indicated that they're cycling as part of a sport and those individuals were typically cycling um, for longer durations and with increased frequency if they're cycling as part of a sport. The other interesting finding that we found for rural Queensland cyclists, uh, we did a logistic regression and we found that a positive predictor for rural cyclists was that there was children at the place of residence. So I'm not sure what's going on there, if it's actually that um, people are jumping on their bicycles as a family outing, uh, something to do, or it might potentially be that um, people are jumping on their bicycles as a way to get out of the house maybe and maybe get away from the children. I don't know, uh, but I thought that was very interesting. And also the children's participation, and this is another thing that comes into cycling rates, is that kids cycle and then they get to a particular age and stop. Maybe that's boosting the, you know, bringing up the participation rates. Absolutely. And I think something I was going to bring up is that I think one of the reasons people don't cycle as well, and that was coming out of our research, is that they've had a bad experience or they've had limited experience probably as adults. So if we could re-engage people and get them familiar with, you know, being on a bicycle again and just how amazing that feels, um, I think that would be a, a great way forward. Yeah, and as we're talking about participation, kind of um, cyclists and non-cyclists, the thing that um, interests me is that, okay, with this show, we're all about positivity and being nice about, um, you know, kind of trying to put a broad brush on what cycling actually involves. What are some of the really negative things that you've picked up? Because Queensland, as we know down here in the southern states, and when we you know, monitor cycling stories and the like, really is quite aggressive um, in some respects. Terms of the interactions that they yeah, have on the roads, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just interested. Did you pick any of that up in the research? Um, there wasn't really much opportunity for people to elaborate on what those bad experiences were. Of course, you know, we'd love to have a little bit more information about that, and I'm sure that some of the other work being undertaken in Queensland could elaborate that on that a little bit more. But um, I think having dedicated spaces and 
for that space to be recognised as well by motorists is an important thing and perhaps is, you know, this is not as part of that research but just a, my personal view that maybe we need to communicate a little bit better about that bicyclists do have a space on the road and that, you know, they are, you know, they should be allowed to be there. Exactly. Getting into the cities and the built-up areas, what what was your research based around in terms of, was it, is it basically Townsville or Brisbane or...? So what we did is we, it was a phone survey, so as part of the responses when they were talking about their demographic information, they gave us their postcode. And so from that, um, we used the Australian Standard Geographical, there's another word there, uh, classification, I think. We used that to determine if they lived in urban or rural Queensland. Okay, so this was like the data was collected via um, cycling questions in the Queensland Social yeah, Survey, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't, because we only have a sort of a small sample, it's 1,256 in total, it doesn't allow me to drill into the level of detail, so I couldn't look at Townsville. I mean, I could look at Townsville specifically, but um, I couldn't report on it. Okay. It's likely to be small numbers. Well, it'd be kind of like the, the, you know, the standout thing for you in terms of the engagement, what people really want to either get cycling or members of their family um, cycling? So I think... One of the key things that I think we need to address, and I think it is possible to address this, is concerns for safety. Um, and the other thing would be um, bicycle-friendly infrastructure. To create that or to modify the infrastructure to make sure that bicycles do have a space and that they are encouraged to use the space. Um, in terms of concerns for safety, this could be at multiple levels. So it could be concerns about the infrastructure that they need to use because there's no other alternatives. It could be about the lack of other people in the space, so the lack of other cyclists making, potentially giving concerns for women cyclists in general. Or it could be concerns about, you know, lighting if you're cycling at night. So exploring that in a little bit more detail and addressing those specific concerns would be a priority going forward, as well as really encouraging infrastructure that's not just specific to, say, Brisbane, but encouraging it to be considered and developed in other locations, including in rural Queensland. So we're looking at lane markings, separated infrastructure, pram ramp sort of stuff coming off footpaths. Is this the sort of infrastructure you're looking at that it becomes also a walkable environment as well? Absolutely. If we could foster anyone to be physically active, uh, using a bicycle or walking, whatever, that would be beneficial for public health. But I think as well, if we're talking about rural Queensland, you know, we won't be able to address the distances. So, for example... Obviously, yeah. Yeah, the 50 kilometres to get to a destination, I, we won't be able to address that. But what we could potentially do is create a destination for cycling in those locations. So to make a destination so that the family could jump on their bikes and then go to the lake or whatever it might be. And for there to be infrastructure there that facilitates them to park, to, you know, rehydrate, all of those things. The other thing that I do mention in the article is about sealed road shoulders. So potentially this would have benefits for road safety generally. So if, if cyclists didn't have a space that they could cycle on, provision of uh, sealed road shoulders, including the um, notification that cyclists might be present on these locations, because that'll be really important for safety, would give cy rural cyclists a space to ride. Yeah, well, because like the, the sealed road shoulders are a massive one that seems to get forgotten even in urban areas. Like, you know, we put up with cambers and all that sort of stuff. Okay, it's for, you know, obviously for road infrastructure, for drainage and the rest of it. But there's so little thought given, you know, for that for that area, which is potentially, potentially 
um, brilliant for cyclists to use. Yeah, you know, like exactly. you know, yeah, street cleaning and the rest of it. Going forward, what would you say? Would do you feasibly see like another research article coming out of this, or article being used to push for infrastructure? And, and these, as you pointed out, the sealed road shoulders are a really simple thing to you know mm-hmm. to build, build those numbers. We'll continue to push this argument forward. We're part of an active transport in the tropics network as well, so that's a you know a sub goal to encourage people to be actively transporting, but just generally encouraging people to cycle in general has benefits. So moving forward, there were some other questions that we asked as part of the Queensland Social Survey that relates to cycling safety and cycling behaviour. So there are there's another article that's been published, and that's looking at hypothetical cycling engagement overseas and use of helmets in that legislation free setting so just sort of asking people like have you been cycling overseas and if you were and you didn't need to would you wear a helmet that's that's one that's been published and the other one is um, looking at safety using various infrastructure so actually pulling apart that a little bit more about you know do you feel comfortable cycling on the road where there's no dedicated space for you that one is um, being reviewed currently so it's not published yet but um, I'm sure that would be of interest to your um, bicycle user group as well those results. Good so that would be available like James Cook University or some other journal or like? Yeah so um, that those results will be being presented shortly in November at International Safe Cycling Conference that's being held in Brisbane. Potentially the article if it's accepted will be part of a special issue that's being published um, as part of that conference. But if not, we'll be putting it in somewhere else so that we can get that, that information out there. And I guess uh, the other part moving forward would be to explore, in, this was a question I was going to maybe leave you on, is there's this idea that if you build it, they'll come. But then my other question is, if we engage them in planning and construction, can we pull them along for the ride? Yes. This is this is something, again, it's a... <laughs> pardon the cliche, push-pull um, argument with uh, some of the urban stuff that I'm involved with, with people want it and then we get the funding doesn't come. So, yes, that is a really interesting thing to leave it on. So the article is published in the Australian Health Promotion uh, Journal of Australia. So that should be available online. If not, um, you can contact me directly to um, for a copy of that. The press release that has spurred on this conversation um, is available from the James Cook University media section. Thank you for your time today. This is our country. We've never forgotten where we've come from. Or who we are. We keep our culture strong. Now it's time to come together. Talk as equals. And write our own future. This is our country and this is our time. Treaty, it's time. And roll now for the First People's Assembly of Victoria election. Authorised by the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission, Melbourne. that's all we've got time for today on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. Uh, podcast should be up uh, later today um, on 3cr.org.au forward slash Yarra Bug or you can check our mirror site on yarrabug.org.au. Oh, sorry, we don't have an AU, we just have a org forward slash radio. And don't forget um, Radiothon, you yeah. I think we've, uh, uh, for the show, we've made a target, but doesn't mean that you shouldn't, uh, you know, if you still want to give money to the station, go ahead and do it. 
um, go to 3cr.org.au and uh, go for the prompts or give the station a call. Thank you to Gemma and Brent for today's interviews. I'll be back in a fortnight and enjoy your day. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.